Beans. He's going to be coming here to give us an update that morning. And uh, looking forward to hearing about what God's been doing there. Uh, aren't you glad that we have a God who is at work amongst all of His people at all places at all times? He never slumbers nor, th- nor sleeps or gets tired or weary. I'm thankful for that. I know it's a mouthful, but I'm thankful that God's at work there. And I'm looking forward to hearing about it. But let's pray this morning. And then we'll stand to our feet and we're going to worship the Lord today. Gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank You for this day. We thank You for a morning that we can gather freely. We can worship You and praise You. God, I pray that You would now have our hearts set apart to You, God, that we would yield ourselves to You and Your Spirit. We pray, God, that Your presence would be known, that Your power would be given as, as Your Word is preached, as we sing now. God, I pray that our hearts would be lifted up to You uh, in humble surrender, that we would uh, believe uh, Your Word, that we would trust You, that we would sing uh, to worship You, to glorify You, God, because You alone are worthy of praise and honor forever and forever. God, we pray today as the Gospel is preached, Lord, that hearts would be convicted and brought near, including those that are saved. God, that we would get things right in our life that need uh, be made right. God, we pray that You would do so, Lord, through Your Word, through Your Spirit today. God, that everything that is said and done, the, from the fellowship, Lord, to, to uh, just being able to, to hear Your Word and to be able to stand and to sing together, Lord, as we, as we uh, sing as a congregation. God, I pray that You would be glorified. I pray that You would do a work amongst Your people. We thank You in advance for what You're going to do today. We thank You for what You've been doing in hearts and lives. We pray that you reach out and touch us today. We love and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord to be here in his house this morning. If you're able, we'll start our worship and service here today, singing hymn number 139. And uh, great is thy faithfulness. Me and Joanne will just chatting about that every day that I wake up and the Lord gives me that's that's his mercy right there every day and that's he's a faithful God I'm just telling her he's given me 72 years plus of mercy every day and and he has y'all too maybe not some of you more and some less years but God God is faithful thank God for his mercy Lamentations 3 22 and 23 tells us it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Now that's something to think about, ain't it? We wouldn't exist if it wasn't for His mercy. Because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Amen. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. Great is thy faithful. 
faithful God. Praise God. Our next song is Bless His Holy Name, and if you're able, remain standing. Psalm 103.1 tells us, A Psalm of David, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. And just about word for word, that verse is in this song right here, Bless His Holy Name. Hymn number 55. six wings about him and they were full of eyes within and they rest not day and night saying holy 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 Lord God Almighty which was and is and is to come Amen. singing holy 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 with no rest day and night so let's help them out here let's learn how to sing this because we're going to be helping them out there in heaven Amen. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty Early in the morning Our song shall rise to Thee Holy, holy Oh! 
person's blessed trinity. Amen. And before you seat yourself, please go around if you desire or stay where you're at and greet everyone. Say hi, hello. Give them a big smile and a hug if appropriate. Amen. Well, your two sweethearts are here. Okay, if we would uh, get back to our seats. Fellowship is good. Praise the Lord. It's by His blessing we can fellowship. So now we have a special song by Miss Ann Stone. Hear him repeat. 
to my name no works that I can claim he who brought me here told me to Sir, John 14, 6 tells us that, darling. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, words. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and appreciate you to pray with me. Our Father, our God, our Savior, who died on the cross for us. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us of that in that song. And there's no other way except by the cross. Lord, we love you for doing that. Thank you for doing that for us, paying our sin debt, a debt that we cannot pay. Thank you so much. Can't thank you enough that your great mercy and love displayed on the cross. And, Father, we come to you now uh, praising you and thanking you for all you do for us. Thank you for this time we can gather together in your name. And, uh, Lord, to worship you in spirit and in truth, to honor and glorify you. So, Lord, we pray that every, everything we sing, every word we say, everything that's done here today, every word that's preached, we bring honor and glory to you. And we ask, Lord, that you'd help our pastor preach, give him strength, courage, boldness, wisdom, and, Lord, help him to convey the message that you've given him uh, to your people, to the sheep of your pastor here this morning. And, Lord, help us to listen and obey, Lord, your word here this morning that you have asked your servant, Pastor Joe, to preach to us. And, Lord, we just want to tell you we love you because you first loved us. precious name of Jesus, we ask and pray all things all the time. Amen. Okay, if you would, we got one more song we'd like to sing. With your help, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. He, he is worthy. Revelation 5.12, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing, of which these are just a few. There's many, many more he's worthy of, okay? Worthy is the Lamb.
Take your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 3 once more this, this week. Last week we began looking here in John chapter 3. We're going to be back in it again today, verses 16 through 21. Thankful for how the Lord orchestrates, and I'm thankful how uh, JL prays for songs. This morning, I'm not sure if you noticed what God did to allow us to worship Him, but He showed us once more His faithfulness, and it's God's faithfulness that never fails that made a way when there was no way. That in all of His holiness, He poured out His wrath upon His own Son on that cross. And now the way in which you and I may know God, and there is only one way that we can know God, and it is the way of the cross. And worthy is the Lamb who was slain upon that cross for our sins. Thankful that one day I believe that we shall see Him as Revelation describes Him as a Lamb that was slain but as well as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. We shall see Him as, as a victor, as a conqueror. He did not lose on that cross. Rather, He died victoriously. He rose victoriously. He ascended victoriously. He reigns victoriously. He's going to come back victoriously. Our God is a victor. And He lived victoriously on this earth. Surrendered to the will of the Father, empowered by the work of the Spirit, the perfect God-man. Not just as an example of good works, but He showed us what it means to live the Christian life as well. And truthfully, this whole purpose of what we've been studying, God is responding to God's revealing. It is to draw us not just to know more about God and some attributes about God in our minds. It is to show us the way of the cross. It is to show us the way of the Christian life. That there is no life of the Christian outside of God. Last week we looked in this passage and we saw that God is love. Y'all liked that one a little bit more. (laughs) 
Today we're going to see that God is life. In Him is life. There is no life outside of God. Both now and forever. From the beginning to the end. If you are looking for everlasting or eternal life today, you must go the way of the cross. Today, if you are a child of God saved, but struggling in your faith, you must do the same and go the way of the cross. You must look to Christ and yield to Christ. God in His faithfulness that we have sung about this morning has revealed to us who He is, what He is like, what He has done, what He is doing, what He is going to do, and it is all found in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is to show us who Jesus is, and if you, with eyes of faith, see who Christ is, see who God has revealed Himself to be, there is no way that you will leave here unchanged. And if you do today, it will be because you have not truly seen this by faith. You can see the attributes of God in your flesh and be unchanged. We don't need that today. And I will tell you today, if you leave here changed, it won't, because, it won't be because of anything I have to say. It is because God, by His grace, reveals Himself to a needy people. And if you find yourself today to be needy, and you should, by the way, respond by faith and receive all that you need. John 3.16-21 tell us, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That will be our focus today. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. Hallelujah. So dear Christian, stop living like it. Dear Christian, you are no longer condemned. Matter of fact, we're going to get into it later here in just a little bit. All right, if you, if you listen quick, I'll try to talk quick. All right, but we're going to get there. There is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk after the Spirit. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. To you, unbeliever, I want you to know right now you're living a life not of future condemnation only, but right now. There is condemnation in your life. It does not have to be. It does not have to be. Look to Christ and live. Trust in Jesus. Go the way of the cross. That is your only hope to know the God of life. He says, But men love darkness. Wait, excuse me, let me back up to verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he that believed, he that he that he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Let us pray. Lord our God, we come to You this day. We thank You, Lord, for the way in which You've orchestrated 
the songs, Lord, that we might worship you and glorify you, that you might reveal yourself through those, that you might reveal yourself through your word. God, today I pray that it would be you who preaches and teaches your word today. God, I pray that you would protect us from our own flesh, protect us from our own minds, our own thoughts, our own opinions. God, I pray that you would protect us from the devil who would love nothing more than to distract us, discourage us, to scatter us, Lord, to, to, to pick up the seed that you're going to plant, that you're going to give increase to. God, we pray that today that we would receive everything that you have for us in your word by faith today. We pray for your power and your presence to be made known. And God, we pray that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. The purpose of responding to God's revealing is so that we may know, trust, and glorify Him. That is the goal of the Christian life. That is the Christian life. It is the life of the Christian is what it's to look like. Each attribute of God demands that we now apply it by faith to our hearts with humility. If it does not work that way, you will only know know more about God in your mind. You can rattle off some facts about God without ever being changed. How many of you today, and you don't have to raise your hand, would say that if you meditate or think about God long enough, that it should affect you? Do you think that's true today? should be, shouldn't it? Why? Because He's God, and there is no one like God. And He has revealed to us in His Word who He is, and to think that God would show Himself to us so that we may freely respond by faith, to think of that, even that can become overwhelming, as it should be. We are often so underwhelmed by God. We never should be. The only way that we will be stronger in our Christian life is by finding out how weak we are and how strong He is. We need that today. Here, what we find is that the Savior is being revealed to us. And in this passage, He is revealing Himself to one man named Nicodemus. But in so doing, He's revealing Himself to all of us today to show that God is love. God is life. It was Major Ian Thomas that once wrote, the measure of a man's worth is the measure in which he no longer lives to and for himself, but to and for Jesus Christ. No more and no less. There is not a saved Christian here today that would say that they are supposed to or desiring to live after their flesh. You would all say we are to live for Christ, wouldn't you? We all know that's the right answer. However, our minds know it's the right answer. The spirit may be willing, but the flesh is weak. And we have not put our flesh to death daily. We have not surrendered daily. And this is why we continue to live mediocre Christian lives, underwhelmed by the person and work of Jesus Christ. God's grace has revealed that He is unending. He is unchanging. That He is God. That He is sovereign. That He is holy. And that He is love. If you are left unchanged by God revealing Himself, it is only because... You have not responded by faith. It is faith in what the Lord has revealed to us by His grace that changes us into what we are supposed to be for Him. That allows us to to live the life that we are meant to live. We are not seeking for a victorious Christian life. Victory has been given to the Christian already and we are to live out of it. But it will only be seen as we look to God and not ourselves. The problem with most preaching today is that it is preaching self-help. It is preaching look to yourself or do X, Y, and Z if you want to feel A, B, and C. We don't need that. We need to see God as He has revealed Himself to us. That, if received by faith, 
will make you the Christian you were saved to be. Today we will see that God is life. In Him is life. He is the way, the truth, and life. We're going to get into all of this today. And here Jesus is showing Nicodemus as well that those that believe have everlasting life. Today I want you to know you have, if you are saved and in Christ, you have everlasting life. Now you're looking at me like you don't have a clue what that means. And if that's the case, we're going to get into that. And, or you may be looking at me like going, okay, that's good, I don't go to hell. This is much more than that. Everlasting life. When's the last time that you pondered what Christ did for you so that you would not have to be under His wrath forever, forever? When's the last time? We also find that by faith we respond to the revealed love of God in Christ Jesus. This is what brings about life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him, there's the response. There's the faith. Grace is giving the gift of the Son. Faith believes, trusts, and those that receive the grace of God by faith will not perish, but have now and forever everlasting life. It was Major Ian Thomas who continued in his writing that said, eternal life is not a peculiar feeling inside. It is not your ultimate destination to which you will go when you are dead. If you are born again, eternal life is that quality of life that you possess right now. Now, The God of life has not only given us everlasting life in the sense of a quantity of life that I get to live forever and forever to be with Jesus. Now that's wonderful in and of itself. But it is a quality of life to be lived now. I don't think we understand that yet, do we? If we do, it might make you smile a little bit more at the fact that God has just told us that those that believe have everlasting life. Everlasting life is not the destination alone. It is the power to see us through the destination. It is God's life Himself lived in us, for us. Stay with me here. Verse 16, we're going to see first of all the person of life. God, the Son, Jesus Christ. Because God is God, He is unending and unchanging. Would you agree? God has no beginning. He has no ending. Would you say that, that God is unchanging? I, I would say that too. You know why? Because the Bible tells us both of those things about God. In fact, we just sang about both of those at the very beginning of the service. So if you sang it and you didn't believe it, you messed up. All right? You shouldn't have sung it. Skipped over that line. We believe and we sing, but we should sing what we believe, and we believe what we believe because God has revealed it already. We should not believe a thing about God that He has not said, this is who I am, this is what I'm like. However, the average Christian believes all sorts of things about God because they're in and out of the Bible, they're in and out of church, and we've got to see if we're in this, we're going to know who God is because this is His revelation. The Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is not the law of do this and don't do that and you'll have everlasting life. It is going everlasting life is being offered to you from the God of life and you must simply receive it by faith. This is who I am, is what God is telling us every time we open up the book. And we must be people of the book. God has always been life. He has never not been alive. He has never 
at any point in time been dwindling in his life's power or his life's work. Any of that. He is life. In him is life. There is no life outside of him. This world did not happen by chance. Your life did not happen by chance. You being here this morning did not happen here by chance. God is life and desires to then give life. God did not create because He was lonely. Contrary to popular belief. God created simply because He desired to. Why? The Bible tells a little bit about it in Revelation. That it glorified Himself in revealing Himself. God desires to reveal Himself to His creation. And He desires that you, His creation, would respond to Him by faith. That's what pleases God. That's what God can use. That's what God can work with. The life of God has no beginning or ending. The Bible speaks of this at the very beginning, opening verse. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God what? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But the whole point of that is going that He had no beginning. He was the cause of the beginning. He held the beginning. He's in the beginning. He's in the present. He's in the future. He is God. He is life. He was, He is, and He always shall be. Without life, there can be no life. Did you just pop into this world out of nowhere? No. When you were dropped off on your parents' porch by the stork, right? Y'all know that's how babies get here, right? It's a different sermon. We're not getting into that today, are we? Let's back up and try again. Right. You didn't just come out of nowhere. God brought you life because He is life. God does not delight in the death of those who do not know Him. Nor does He delight in death itself. Rather, He desires to give life. And what we find is that the life and the person of Jesus Christ sought to bring life to those around Him. He literally raised the dead to life. He gave a newness of life to those who were blind or deaf or dumb or possessed. And He gives life to us today. God is life. The person of life. John, in the same Gospel here, John chapter 1, verse 4, maybe over just a page for you, it tells us this, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Where was life found? In Him. In Jesus Christ. How about John chapter 5? We'll be there a couple more times. John chapter 5, verse 26. For as the Father hath life in Himself. That means this. God has life in Himself. The Father has life in Himself. Nobody had to give God life. He is life. He breathed out life. He created life. It says, as the Father hath life in Himself, so hath He given to the Son to have life in Himself. In God, His very nature is not only to be living, to be alive, but to be the God of life. We do not serve a dead God. We do not have dead religion. We have a God of life. Everything that you see today is because God lives. 
If He were not alive, there would be nothing. Nothing produces nothing. That's it. But the God of life gives life. And we find here that the, the person and work of Jesus Christ reveals to us that He is life. He is the full revelation of the love and life of God. Jesus Christ lived. It's God in the flesh. God came to this world and lived a life, a sinless life, a perfect life, a yielded life, a surrendered life, a life that was given a ransom for sinners. To think that the God who is life would put on flesh to lay down His life as Jesus said He did. Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. Why? Because they cannot take life from the God of life. He laid it down. Humility, willingness, Submitted to the will of His Father. The will of the Father was to crush the Son so that we might be redeemed by His blood, that we might be filled by His Spirit, that He might bring us back into His presence one day, that we might sing, holy, 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 worthy is the Lamb forever and forever. If we are to know or have life, it is only found in Jesus who is the God of life. John tells us about Jesus being life. We've already heard one of them quoted today. But in John chapter 11, verse 25, old Lazarus is dead. Dead means dead. Matter of fact, he had been dead for four days. And Jesus said, I'm glad he's dead for your sakes. So that God might be glorified. So that you might know who I am. Because even up to this point, there was still the doubting and the wonder about who is Jesus? How can he do all these miracles? It's because he is the God of life. But John 11:25, Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. That's pretty simple, isn't it? I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So how do you and I have life? By believing on Him. That's it. Outside of that, there will be no life. There, there is no Christian life outside of continuously believing and trusting in Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life. He then tells us to once more, notice that He tells and reveals Himself to be life to those who are doubting. In John chapter 11, He's got two dear friends of His who are doubting about, about the resurrection of their brother. And what does He say? I'm the resurrection and the life. How about in John 14? He says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. Why? Because their hearts are troubled. He's just said all that he's going to go through, that he's going to go away from them, that his presence will not be there bodily with them anymore. And they say, well, where are you going? John 14, 5, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know Him, and have seen Him. Why? Because Jesus shows us the love and life of God. Because He is the love and life of God. He is the revealer of who God is. If you want to know who God is, you must look to Jesus Christ. This is why any other religion will not do. All roads do not lead to God. They do not lead to heaven. It is through Jesus Christ. He is life. And Dear believer, if He has given you life, have you given Him yours? We see the person of life, but we must see that He is the provider of life. You say, well, Pastor Joe, I know that He made all things. 
I know that He spoke all things in existence, and then He picked up the dust of which He made, and He formed, and He fashioned, and He made Adam, and He breathed, and made Adam a living soul. He breathed literally the breath of life into him, made him a spiritual creature. He designed Adam to know Him, to walk with Him. Not for God's sake, but for Adam's sake. We need God. He doesn't need us. The beauty of it is this, though, that He chooses to use imperfect people, yet still the same, who would then yield the life that God has given to them back to Him. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. We sing those songs, but little do we mean it in our heart. Jesus paid it all. Half of Him to I owe. Right? No? No? All to Him I owe. Not in a sense of obligation, but a sense of faithful obedience because Jesus has provided all of my life. And I mean all of my life. There is not one thing in my life that God has not provided. Not one cent. Not one dollar. My house. Vehicles. Wife. I couldn't have got her if it wasn't for God. Do you think I could have? Y'all laugh too hard at that. You couldn't have gotten your wife either. There you go. I feel better. Notice the provider of life. You see this in John 3.16. We see the person of life, the only begotten Son. We see the provider of life. Notice these words. And these are important. Gave and have. The only reason why I can have is because He gave. The only reason why I can have anything in this life is because He gave by His grace, by His love. That's it. The only reason why I have physical or spiritual life today is not because I've done any good work. It is not as because I wooed God or I convinced God how good or worthy I am of salvation. Rather, everything was against me, showing how guilty I was, how vile I was, how there was no worth in me, and yet Jesus still died for me. He was given for me. That shows God's provision. If God never provided life, physically, we would never have it. If God did not provide spiritual life, we could never receive it. It is a gift, is it not? So if it's not given, then it can't be received. But it won't be given unless He's provided it. And He provided the way. How did He provide the way? By crushing His Son. That's quite the provision, isn't it? You want to talk about the love of God. It shows God's provision that He would go all the way for us with His great love. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we were good, not when we were holy or righteous or perfect or religious or any of those things. But He loved us and died for us. He gave Himself. That's provision. Most of our problem today is because we think we provide much more than what we think we do. I bring nothing to the table. God pays me. I work for Him. I do not work for you. Is that okay? It's all right. You, you don't work for me either, so it's all right. It's mutual. Matter of fact, you don't work for your boss. You don't work for anybody but the Lord. He provided the job. He provided the paper. Matter of fact, He provided the tree for the paper that the check could be written on, and He provided the bank to deposit it. He provided the house for you to go home and sleep in. He provided, He provided, He provided. 
Notice that everyone in the Bible that Jesus touched and healed or even didn't have to touch or heal, it was He that provided it. He offered it to them. That's His provision. But how do they receive it? The same way that you and I must receive it today, by faith. God has provided us much more than we realize. And we will never realize it until we respond with faith. Look here. Because God is life, He alone is the one that provides all of life. Nothing physical or spiritual is able to bring life to itself. It is God's loving grace that provides all of life. His great love that loved the world, that loved me, even me. John chapter 1 tells us this. John chapter 1, verses 1-3, through In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things, all things, all things, I'm a thing. So are you. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Not a single thing. Nothing. Nada. How about this? In the same chapter, verses 11 and 12 tell us this. You have in the verses 1 through 3, the physical, you have the spiritual provision in verses 11 and 12. He came unto his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him, that's faith, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He's provided, but the only way that the gift can be received is by faith. The provision is there. It's been made. The sacrifice is done. It's complete. It's finished. Will you receive it or not? There's some who say, God had never done nothing for me. That's scary. God has given everything that you need. And He's given me a whole lot of what I want to. God's grace reveals His provision of life while faith responds to partake in that life. John chapter 5, I told you we'd go back there again. John chapter 5, verse 24 tells us this. Once more, Jesus is speaking, Verily, verily, truly, truly, amen, amen. I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Who provided that way? God did. If God did not provide the way, I would still be lost and undone. Adam and Eve would never have been clothed with anything beyond fig leaves. You understand that? Adam's first response when he sinned was to go hide, flee from his naked wife, hide behind a tree, grab some fig leaves, cover up his nakedness, and not one time do we find it up to that point that Adam said, you know, I'm a pretty smart fellow. I think we ought to kill off one of these animals and clothe ourselves. That, that looks a lot better than this fig leaf. Why? God provided. God provided. Furthermore, John chapter 6 tells us this. This is a lengthier passage. I'm going to read it all the way through. Is that okay? Y'all let me know if we have too much Bible in the sermon today, okay? <laughs> John chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus is preaching and He's getting quite the opposition. For the bread of God is... He which cometh down from heaven, there's the provision, and giveth life in the world, there's the provision. Right There's the whole passage right there. But we'll keep going. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. We want that bread. Where's it at? And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. 
He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. They can't come and believe until it's provided, and it's provided right there. And now they can freely come. You and I may now freely come and believe on the name of the Son of God and have life. It is provided for. Why do we neglect the bread of life? We, we eat everything of the world. I can tell you what you'll find in the world they're chewing is nothing but maggoty, rotten bread. This is life-giving. Life-providing. But I say unto you, that ye also have seen me and believe not. It was provided, but it wasn't received. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Praise God for that. For I come down... For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. Not just the quantity, but the quality. And I will raise him up in the last day. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, Save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. You keep eating what the world gives and you'll die. But notice, who gave the manna in the wilderness in the first place? It was God. Moses didn't open up a bakery. God said, you wake up in the morning, collect this much, and that's it. I will provide. And He provides for His people. He still does today. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then, said, then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. There is God's provision. But because God has provided my life, he must receive the preeminence of my life. Many of us are grateful that God provided a spiritual life and that I don't have to go to hell. We love that. I love I don't have to go to hell. I'm, I'm not going to get even close to it. Praise God. But he's provided much more. He's provided a way that I can have Him to be preeminent in my life, and He ought to be. Not just in my spiritual side of things either. We have gotten the place where we are, we are walking waffles. Alright? Go with me here. You know what a waffle is? It's a pancake with holes in it. Alright? It's got all the ridges. It's got all the spots. And if you want syrup and want... Y'all like those Belgian waffles at the hotel? Right? There's no, there's no better waffle besides Waffle House itself, but even they use the same thing, all right? And you know what? It's got four little sections in it, don't it? And here's what you and I have done. We've taken our little section of waffle, and we've said Jesus gets that portion, 
But that's my work. I, I got to do what I got to do there. That's my home. You know, I've got a, got a nice house, a nice wife, got kids, dog, cars. I got to do this so I can do this, right? And then and this is my play. This is my other stuff. This is where we take the boat out. This is where we do this. But he's got my, he's got my spiritual stuff, though. I give him that one. That's where I'll put that Jesus seraph there. That should not be our Christian life. The Christian life is not meant to God gets this portion and I get this portion. Or He gets control of this portion and I get control of this portion. He provided the waffle. Does that make sense? He gets all of it. Colossians 1.15 tells us, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by Him were all things created. There's that provision again. Is it biblical? Yes! that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible. So whether you see it or not, God provided it, God made it. Whether it be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created by Him. But the verse doesn't stop there. And for Him. That's the beauty. Because it's for Him, it belongs to Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Not only did He make everything and provide everything for your life, but the reason why you can continue to live your comfortable life is not because you keep showing up to work. It's not because you've got a wife who's faithful to you and tolerates much more than she ever should. It's because you have a God who is faithful and sustains you right now. If God were to let go of a moment of you, you would drop through this floor. If God quit sustaining for a millisecond, this floor would open up, and there would, no be a, there would not be a church we would fall and we would keep falling. Praise God, that's not who God is. And He is the head of the body. The church, in case you're wondering what that means. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. Gets the whole off. He provides by grace through faith in Christ alone. We've seen the person of life, the begotten Son. We've seen the provision of life that He gave that we may have. And if He doesn't give, I can't have. But now we see, I believe, the key. God is life. He is the power of life. Verses 16-18, through 18, it talks about everlasting life and saved. Saved does not just mean saved from hell, it means saved to something much greater than that. It's to be saved to then be sanctified. That is God's will. We talked about that this morning in Sunday school a little bit. This is, this is God's will. The life that He has provided, He gives power to. The power of the Christian, life. It's not the Christian's power. It's God in me. Any bad thing I do in this life, that, that's me. I get the glory for that one. Isn't that good? Every time I sin, I get the glory. What an awful rotten glory it is too. And every good thing I do, it's Christ in me. It's not me, because in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. My flesh does not desire to do a good thing. My flesh does not desire to... Please God, my flesh desires to fight against the Spirit, and that's what it does every day, doesn't it? However, the Christian who lives with power is surrendered to the power source. That's God. 
And I can tell you the reason why most of us live powerless lives is because we've given Him just a portion of the waffle. And God would love to put the power all over the whole thing. When we were in the men's prayer advance, they had waffles at the hotel. That was great. We paid for those waffles, and we got to go to the conference. Amen? (laughs) Watching some of these fellas make waffles, they get what the Christian life is to look like. Everything that hotel had to offer for a waffle, and even the stuff that wasn't even meant for the waffle, it went on that waffle. You know why? It was provided for. Dear Christian, God has provided the waffle, and He's got all the fixings. He's provided it by His grace. And the reason why your waffle is dry, ungrateful, inept, powerless, frustrated, is not because God ain't good, it's because you ain't taken what He's already given. Look at this. John 6. Trying to stay in the theme here of John here. It helps us with the context of John writing and revealing Jesus to us. John chapter 6, verse number 63. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. That's it. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. They are life. God has provided life. And His life has power. As a matter of fact, Jesus, the resurrection and the life, in chapter 11 of John, what does He do? In a few short sentences after we had just said where He says, I am the resurrection and life, He says to a dead grave, to a dead man in that grave, Lazarus, come forth! What did He do? Consider it Him and Hall in His grave clothes? No, He come out. They unbound Him and many believed because of that. Today, I believe that many of our lives are lacking in a testimony because we have yet to experience the power of God and it's because we have yet to yield to the power of God in our life. We're living the Christian life based upon our power, not the power of which He's given. And He's given us Himself. He's given us life. Why would we think that we can draw from any other spring when He's given us a wellspring of everlasting water? That's within. That's the Spirit of God within us. This is why Jesus at the woman at the well, there in John as well, what does He, what does he talk about? He talks about to her that there shall be a living water. Whosoever drinketh this water, uh, pointing here to the physical, he says, they'll thirst again. That's the flesh. He says, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, oh, there's the provision once more, shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him, in him. A well of water springing up, bubbling over is the idea, into everlasting life, not just a quantity but a quality. Jesus did not die for your sins so you could look like you sucked on a lemon. Jesus did not die so you would live abused by sin and held captive to sin. Jesus died and has given you power to live victoriously. I don't know what church you go to. I go to Victory Way. Where do you go? You're not sure? You passed a sign. You're awfully quiet. Victory way. He is the victory way. 
He is the way to victory. He's provided the victory. He's provided the way and He is the victory and He is the way. He is the life because He is life. The flesh gives no profit, no profitable power to live as a Christian. The flesh might know about God. The flesh might be able to teach. The flesh might have strength. The flesh might put on nice clothes. The flesh might know programs. But the flesh is always at war against the Spirit. It's never not. Your flesh can do church things and even Christian-like things without ever pleasing God and never mistake that. It's the Spirit. Flesh is at war with the Spirit of Christ, and the Spirit of Christ now indwells us. No fleshly strength, knowledge, or experience can compare to the power of God now abiding in you. God Himself. The God of life. Watchman Nee put it this way, eternal life means more than mere future blessing to be enjoyed by believers. It is equally a kind of spiritual ability. The reason why I can have everlasting life is because He's given me power to have it now, not just later. Everlasting is a quality. There is a wellspring inside of you, dear believer, to draw from, so draw from it. God has given you all the fixings for your waffle. Now put it on there. Load it up. And the reason why we won't is because we're still yet unsurrendered in parts of that waffle. I can tell you this, waffle is not in my notes today. I don't know, it just, it's there. Here's what it looks like in its practice. <clears throat> Romans 6, verse 4, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That's everlasting life. It's a new life. It's a new focus, a new purpose, a new power. A new person now abides in me. I don't live alone. God lives in me and through me and for me. Why? Because we already said it. Any bad thing I do, that's all Pastor Joe. Any good thing I do, that's all God in me. It's not me. It's Him. Only when we die do we begin to live. Our death allows Christ's life to be powerfully lived in us. And that's what He desires today to do for you, believer. He's provided it. Over in Romans chapter 8, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. There's our position. Who walked not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There's our practice. There you go. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. I am free. Free from it. Free. That's everlasting life. Not just free in the future from hell, but I'm free today. The law and sin should have none effect upon me. The only time that they do is when I'm walking in the flesh. For what the law could not do in that it is weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, provision and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There's our power. For, that, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. There are plenty of saved Christians today who care far too much about the flesh. We must only and should only care about the spiritual things. But you'll only be as spiritual as you want to be. And you'll only be as spiritual as you are yielded to the Spirit of God now in you. Walking 
by the power of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. That's not life, is it? We have a God of life, don't we? But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Notice that. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. When I am in my flesh, I am not pleasing God. No matter how saved I am. I am not in right fellowship. I have no power. I've got no power to pray. I'm distracted. I'm frustrated. I'm unthankful. I'm a multitude of things, and none of them are good. They're all fleshly. He says then, in verse number 9, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. That's who you are now. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. That's power, isn't it? Your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. That's the power. We need the power of God, don't we? We think the power of God is just one fell swoop, one time, and there it is, and it's done. Isn't that nice? Look at that thing. It's been provided, but the only way to live in the power of God daily is to die to yourself daily. It is to yield yourself to God daily. It is to surrender the power you think you've got to His power and realize that your power is nothing. Your strength is nothing. Your wisdom is nothing. Belongs to God. Life and the power to live is only found in the Holy Spirit. We're told to walk in the Spirit, not the flesh. Our strength is His Spirit within us. God doesn't want your strength, He wants your surrender. God doesn't want your strength, He wants your surrender. You say, But I'm so weak. That's when he shows himself strong. You say, I'm needy. That's where he shows himself to provide. You say, I feel unloved. That's where he shows himself to be loved. You say, I just feel dead inside. And we've all been there a time or two, haven't we, dear Christian? God is life. In him is life. In order to experience the power of the life of God within us, we must surrender our strength to his. The sooner you surrender, the sooner you'll receive strength. A strength that is not your own. A strength that is His. A strength that has real power. Everlasting life. The power you need to live the everlasting life that God has already given you is to live your life trusting in His power and not your own. Strength is given to those who surrender in faith. And where there is no surrender in the Christian life, there will be no strength. You say, I just feel weak in this part of my Christian life. I struggle with praying. Have you surrendered praying to God? You say, I struggle with sin. I lust. I'm full of pride. I'm unthankful. I'm discontent. Have you surrendered that to God? Surrender means you let go. And you don't touch it again. And when it comes back, and it will, you give it away again. Surrender is not a one-time happenstance chance. It is a daily choice. And to choose to not surrender daily is to choose to live without the strength of God daily. That's where most of us live. God is life and He wants you to live 
everlasting life. Not just in the quantity that He's given, but in the quality that He has provided by the strength of His power. Lastly, and we're done, we see the promise of life. John 3, 16 and 18, we see this promise. Shall have everlasting life. We have it. For God sent not a son of the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And we find this promise as well, and it's to unbelievers and believers that you will either be condemned or not condemned. That is your choice today. Do you want to live in condemnation? Then don't believe the gospel. Don't trust then. And that's what you'll live in. And it will not be a good life for you now and forever. But to those who put their trust in Him, to those who put their trust in the finished work of Christ, His death, burial, and His resurrection for sinners, what we find is that everlasting life is given both now and forever. The promise of life for unbelievers is that a refusal to believe will not only cause future condemnation, but you will continue to live your life condemned already. That's what this passage tells us. However, the promise, though, to unbelievers is that if they only respond by faith to what God has revealed, they too can be forgiven and granted everlasting life. The only thing that keeps you from having everlasting life today is your faith in God's provision. And dear Christian, the only thing that keeps you today from living a life that God has designed and offered for you to live is faith that He's already given. For the promise for believers is that everlasting life is provided Everlasting life is the gift of power to live today and the promise of eternity with our living God. Because God is life, when I surrender, I can experience the life of God being lived within me as I live by faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. John Bunyan put this this way. The pathway of life is strewn so thickly with the promises of God that it is impossible to take one step without treading upon one of them. The reason why you and I tend to not see so is because we have eyes that aren't looking to God with faith. We are looking to God with intellect and with our own strength and our own ability. What we find is that when we look to Him in absolute humility and absolute faithful surrender, you can't help but look around and see God's promises and blessings. You can't help but look around and see all that God is doing. And the reason why that we can't see all that God is doing and what all God has given, the reason why and truly what that's called is it's called pride and ungratefulness. That's what the Bible calls it. The reason why we don't is because we have a portion of our life left uncovered because we have not surrendered it by faith. God has provided all that we need today. Today as we bring this to a close, I want you to know that God is life. And He has provided all that you need to live today and forever. Are you living in His strength or are you living in yours? You got a part of your waffle of life that you have yet to surrender to Him? Is it left uncovered? Have you got something in your life that is a deep struggle of yours? I'm sure you do because I do too. And you'll keep struggling with that thing until you surrender. And when it comes back, you'll struggle with it again until you surrender again and again and again. 
Those who surrender receive strength. And that's what we're told here is everlasting life. Let me ask you today, have you ever received everlasting life? Have you come to the place where you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, that you have that promise of God that He has given to us in this passage, that you shall not perish but have everlasting life? Have you come to that place where you've trusted Jesus alone for your salvation? If not, you are condemned right now, but you don't have to be. Trust in Christ and live. Today, dear Christian, are you living knowing that you're just not going to go to hell, or are you living in everlasting life as you've been given? You've been given life to live. Will you live it? Let's all stand this morning. The response for unbelievers and believers is the same today. It's to see that God is a God of life and has offered all that we need for this life both now and forever. And the only thing that you and I can do today is respond by faith. Will you trust Him with your life? What number are we singing, brother? You got to look. 487, room at the cross. 487, room at the cross.